Hello there, I'm George Hall, and welcome back to the Good Growth Podcast. Now, no matter what day, week, month, year, decade, or, well, even century, there will always be fashion. Fashion brands strive to be at the forefront of consumer consciousness, whilst maintaining credibility and esteem. But now, more than ever, they need to juggle things like technology, sustainability, and future-proofing. I'm joined today by Sarah Auerbach and Sophie Lawrence-Teal. Sarah is a consultant director here at Good Growth, and her background in fashion, cosmetics, events, and communications means she'll hopefully have some great insights to share with you all. Sophie is Good Growth's strategy director with a background in influencer marketing, social media, and creative communications. Both, it's, it's great to have you on the show. How are you? Very well, thank you. Nice to be on it, George. Thanks a lot for the invite. Good. Thank you, George. Excellent. Well, look, we're here to talk fashion. We're here to talk big brands, big ideas. This whole conversation was, was sparked internally by the publication of the List Index, which, for anyone wondering, is a, is a quarterly ranking of fashion's hottest brands and products. So the formula behind the List Index takes into account things like uh, shopper behaviour, searches, product views, sales, um, and also incorporates media mentions, activity and engagement statistics worldwide over a three-month period. So it's Q4 2022 that's the latest version. Keen to get both of your thoughts on things in terms of, you know, would you say this is as expected? I mean, Prada takes the top spot and the top 20 is full of big, big names. Uh, are there any surprises in the list or is it, is it as expected? Well, so I think it's been, I mean, it's certainly been a stellar quarter for Italian brands um, and you see them dominate the top 10. Um, particularly we've got Prada, you've got Gucci, Montclair, Mumia, Valentino, they're all, they're all the top five. I think the names that really excited me the most are, are the newer entries, the breakout brands. Um, you've got Alaya and you've got Moogla featuring. And what's interesting is how they are really fueled by Gen Z and millennials' interest in your archive Y2K fashion. So those are the two, I think, that, that impressed me the most. That's really interesting that you say that, Sarah, because I am certainly not a, a fashionista myself. Um, but what I thought was really interesting, what I picked up on on the index were the presence of cultural references. So like Diesel, for example, is kind of moved up the list or is present in the list because it went viral on TikTok for the belt skirt. But the fact that the belt skirt is completely useless, um, you know, and similarly, Dolce & Gabbana get a mention because Jennifer Coolidge wore, you know, one of their pieces in in White Lotus. So. For me, I think that's from, especially from my background, I think that's really, really interesting because it's almost, sometimes you think of these luxury brands and you don't necessarily think they're particularly accessible, but it feels like they're more and more kind of weaving into, cult, you know, popular culture, um, which I think is fascinating. And I did see a lot of those TikTok videos. <laughs> they definitely popped up on my uh, my For You page quite a few times. Um there's obviously a lot of impressive work that's gone into these brands that are on the list index for Q4 2022. Sarah, you mentioned a couple there in terms of things that have impressed you. What is it specifically that, that strikes you as extremely impressive? I mean, is, is it the tech? Is it the crossovers? Keen to get your thoughts on, on what are the really standout bits. Well, actually, and Sophie, you mentioned it really well as well. But what's so interesting about the list index is that they don't just look at sales, but they actually look at social mentions um, and and actually look at the sort of the, the views of brands to to include them, to know whether to include them into the index. Um, and certainly with Alaya, I mean, you know, you've got Jenny Ortega who wore 
that stunning Elijah address as Wednesday Adams, and that went into a viral dance that generated, I don't know, how many billions of views on TikTok. And with Mugra, obviously, he, you know, the, the brand returned to Paris Fashion Week after I think what was a two-year hiatus. Um, it's been worn by Dua Lipa, it's been worn by Addison Ray, and actually it was really poignant given the fact that Cherry Mugler died last year. So you've got those two brands who I thought were particularly interested because they were your sort of breakout brands. Then you've obviously got Gucci, who, you know, Gucci have understood they're absolutely leading the way when it comes to communicating with the new luxury customer. They got the brief, didn't they? They got the brief. I mean, <laughs> they really did. You know, they are, I think they're the first real um, established luxury brand to build a digital world in the metaverse. You've got the Gucci Vault Land, which I think launched in November. Um and then they've, you know, they're an early ad- adopter of Web3 technology. They they were the first luxury brand to launch an NFT. Uh, they've obviously created Gucci Garden, which is an immersive experience in Roblox. Um, and you're right, they've totally captured the zeitgeist. They totally understand what the luxury consumer of today is looking for and needs. And Sophie, any from you that, that particularly grabs your attention as, as innovative or, or, or seriously impressive? I think well I've always I'm like I'm a, I'm a big Gucci fan um just again just because of how they operate and how they kind of tap into to youth culture and I feel like it's the element of surprise they always do something unexpected um I think they did like a launch party uh for their Adidas collaboration in Bethnal Green Working Men's Club which is pretty niche really unless you live in East London um so I think things like that and like I said just just tapping into that culture I think what's interesting, maybe it's just because we've looked at this particular in- index, but there doesn't seem to be a huge amount about sustainability on there. It is more kind of about the popular culture references like Adele wearing things in music videos and, you know, the Jenny Ortega and things like that. So it would be interesting to know if that also is something that's kind of, you know, as you mentioned before, at, at the beginning of the pod- podcast, something that's on the, on the agenda of these huge luxury brands. But but no, mainly it's, it's, it is, it's about that accessibility. And I think I'm certainly not Gen Z. I can just about still call myself millennial, I think. Um, but I, I really love this kind of like, I don't remember luxury brands being particularly interesting to me or particularly accessible. Whereas it seems now, now I sound old, but it seems now that a lot of these brands are being shaped by youth culture. Um, and I think that's phenomenal. Like, because, you you know, you think about Gucci and you'd think, OK, it might be something, you know, like a dodgy replica that your auntie would get you from a holiday in Turkey. Or it's something that, you know, your mum that your mum buys or it's always been like quite unattainable. Whereas now I think, you know, to Sarah's point, the fact that they've got the vault and they're experimenting. I feel like they're really tuned in to the to the customer and they, you know, the customer that is growing up to be the luxury shopper. I think that's why these people, you know, why these particular brands are in this index, um, which, yeah, to me is really, really fascinating. Now, there's there's quite a lot of, of buzzwords in the uh, in the description for the list index, things like, you know, Web3, NFT, which, you know, maybe are buzzwords, but they are real trends, obviously real things that are important to the fashion industry and fashion retailers. We've mentioned a few trends already, but I'm keen to get from you guys whether you think there's any trends that you see re-emerging, emerging over the rest of 2023. Um, and I'm not, you know, not talking whether monochrome and stripes are going to come back in for fall, 
but how do you see the rest of the year playing out in terms of what's going to be the, the, the big things that stand out for fashion retailers and brands? When it come, I think when it comes to the metaverse and the hugely kind of hyped up, you know, everyone kind of has a different definition and you read certain reports. You know, I was reading this morning that actually it's, it's, it's likely to be like 10 years until it actually reaches mainstream. So I think it's I think those that are going to kind of future proof and I think the good the good trends that we're going to see is kind of like a Gucci where it's sort of, you know, the, the metaverse and and Roblox and Web3 features and all of these amazing kind of tools, if you like, that that creative designers and fashion houses have at their at their fingertips to kind of create that expression. I think it's about keeping a balance. It's not it's to enhance the human experience and to enhance that creativity rather than sort of replace it. Um but I also think, like I said, it's it's really fascinating to see brands that are really tapping into that. I read this ridiculous stat that I think that's well, actually not ridiculous at all. It, it makes sense. It's just a lot of money. But something like $54 billion are spent on virtual goods every year in the US. And that's more than it's than is actually spent on music, which I felt quite sad about. But maybe I'm just old again. Um, that's a humongous amount of money. So I think brands and you know luxury brands and fashion houses that are really tapping into that customer zeitgeist to to quote Sarah I think are definitely going to be the ones that that lead the way and it's less about trying to create trends but really sort of leaning in and and really sort of providing that platform because ultimately that's what fashion's about isn't it it's letting people express themselves and increasingly you've got Gen Z and Gen Alpha and Gen whoever else um, that don't want to conform to demographics and, you know, they don't want to be put in a particular bucket. So you can create a virtual reality version of yourself and you can be as tall as you like and be whatever gender or not that you want to be. Um, that, I think, is really fascinating. And that is what, from my perspective, I think will mean that these these brands sort of stand the test of time. So I'm excited to see how more of them kind of venture in. Really lovely what you said there about uh, enhancing the the human experience by allowing expression through things like fashion. That is a yeah an extremely important thing. Um, Sarah, any 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 of your thoughts on on trends for the next year? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Sophie. I think it's a really exciting time um, for luxury fashion. Um, and I actually the 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 biggest trend we're witnessing is that growth in the luxury market is being driven by millennials and Gen Z. So what we're now seeing is how luxury brands are really having to redefine luxury so that they can appeal to this next generation of customer because obviously before luxury was very much about impeccable craftsmanship incredible service that's that's now just a given that's not enough and so these luxury brands are having to place their their consumers and, and that community at the very center of what they do because they want they got to drive these meaningful connections um, and ultimately sales. And what's particularly interesting is you can see how that that major theme has given rise to other themes, which very much are, you can see those within the top twenty brands that are in this are in this in the list index. So you've got the sub theme of that ability to, of combining heritage and innovation using social commerce. So the likes of Gucci um, and et cetera, who are really using Web3 technology. 
you've got the use of really high profile collaborations um, that Sophie alluded to. Um, I think you have got a focus on sustainability um, and then the importance of community as well. So I think it'd be really interesting to see how those themes develop over the next few years. Okay. And it's interesting you, you picked up on sustainability there. I mean, Sarah, you and I have spoken on, on the podcast before about sustainability and its importance. There are a number of references to sustainability and sustainable themes and ideas on the list index for, for Q4. Things like, you know, Balenciaga being recognised by Peter for the use of mycelium-based leather. But but those references are sort of outnumbered and overshadowed, really, by references to, to NFTs, Web3, to the latest developments in tech. I'm keen to get both of your opinions, really, on, on whether sustainability is a genuine concern for fashion brands or whether it is now becoming a bit of a marketing ploy, a bit of a, a, bit of a case of consumers have so much choice. You know, we know that Gen Z and millennials are, are, are environmentally conscious, so let's try and be the most sustainable brand because it'll make us money, rather than let's be the most sustainable brand because we should be. It's our duty. So I, I, think, I think it's a genuine care. Um, I mean, I, you know, luxury products have always been considered more sustainable than the fashion, fast fashion counterparts. I mean, obviously in the way they're made um, and the fact that product shelf life, you're going to keep, you're usually going to keep a luxury product for longer. But luxury brands that are pushing sustainability um, you know, higher up their agenda. And, and again, it's due to, to the new consumer demand. Um, sustainable retail is super important for, for Gen Z, certainly for Gen Alpha that's coming up the ranks, and also millennials. And these, these generations demand absolute complete transparency from what they're buying. Um, and there are luxury brands leading the way. I mean, you've got, um, you know, you've got fashion, luxury fashion heavy, heavyweights, LVMH, Prada, and Richemont. They've obviously formed the Aura Blockchain Consortium, and they're using blockchain. They're investing in those tech, you know, blockchain technology to not only increase the sort of their transparency and their honesty and their, you know, their authenticity with their new consumers, but also it enables them as a brand to. Um, protect against counterfeiters and, and actually enable the circular economy. So the whole sustainability angle is really important to luxury fashion. And we'll see, we'll see more brands invest in that and do more as the years go by. No, I think that's a really good point. I think the key word is transparency. Um, I think consumers, you have information at your fingertips and a lot, you know, I think people do try and as particularly with the luxury, I think people do try and make more of a conscious effort to be responsible with their shopping. But yeah, I think that transparency is really key in the supply chain. Where's my product come from? Um, and I'm also really fascinated in the rise of re-commerce and what that is said to be worth or kind of valued at, at a global level. It's certainly in the billions over the next few years um, and how, uh, you know different fashion brands not just luxury but in general can kind of set themselves up because it's a slightly different kind of consumer mentality it's that sort of circle um, process if you like but yeah I'm really I think that's I think that's a, a big effort to kind of be more sustainable it's potentially just you know it's less obvious but it's about being more innovative and working with with what you've got and creating kind of those marketplaces I suppose as opposed as opposed to kind of you know we've planted five trees for this pair of lovely slippers that you're buying um but no I think yeah I think the transparency is key 
Um, and I think re-commerce is really, really interesting, particularly if you think about that kind of, again, the younger generation, this sort of like hustle culture and that kind of desirability. I mean, the short Ugg boot that literally was so high in demand, I think it was at one point sold out in like 80% of all Ugg stores online or something ridiculous, which fills me with horror because I wore Ugg boots like the first time around. But, you know, the the fact that there's the consumer and the customer is such a huge like such a powerful force that I think by recognizing that you know giving people the ability to trade trade products upsell products or you know swap them for something else um I think is what makes e-commerce and kind of the sustainability conversation really interesting and it's worked wonders for the for the sneaker and trainer industry as well hasn't it I mean Sarah you and I spoke pre-Christmas about Nike and their move to zero and how you can take old shoes back into store and have them repurposed or recycled or donated. Um, And it's something that particularly appeals to young people, isn't it? And I think also there was a concern, you know, some luxury brands were probably a little bit fearful that if they, if they even thought about introducing re-commerce and there'd be a, there'd be the the real threat of cannibalizing sales of their own products. But, you know, actually what they're doing is that they're appealing to a younger and more environmentally conscious consumer they're being more sustainable they're adding new revenue streams to their business operations and actually people who sell their luxury goods are probably just going to buy something new with the money that they get from it so it really is a you know it's a, it's a circular economy so it's something it's something that more luxury brands are going to be are going to be buying into and i think at the moment a lot of the luxury brands are relying on third party operations to run their their you know their e-commerce i think we'll see more luxury brands actually running their own e-commerce online okay well well something we've spoken about all the way through this this episode has been the importance of of gen z consumers of millennial consumers I mean, look, even as a Gen Z myself, I'm not sure how I'd go about targeting the age group. I mean, it's so broad. There is so much expression, as we've already previously alluded to. Obviously, they're going to be extremely important in the coming years for fashion brands. I mean, we see news reports and articles about how younger consumers are less likely to invest in in housing and rent because they're being outpriced. So they're more likely to invest in things like luxury goods because they have a you know, higher resale value. People are living with their parents for longer. They're not flying the nest. How do brands go about targeting those Gen Z consumers? What does the future look like? I mean, is it a case of jumping on the latest hype train with the metaverse or whatever gaming platform is popular? Or is there something deeper and more strategic that can be done? You know, Gen Z and and millennials, it presents, you know, it does present a whole set of challenges, new challenges for luxury brands, but also a whole set of new opportunities. Um, And really, I think the key one is how do you, how do luxury brands make their brand history and their tradition relevant to that, to that young consumer? So again, going back to Gucci, if you're a successful luxury brand, you're the one that's going to really embrace that innovation um, to create a very modern omnichannel experience. And LVMH did it recently where they you know, they created an experience where you could learn about the the history of the brand, collect NFTs and, and use them online. So it's the fact that they you have to be you have to adapt. You have to be where where the new generation is. But you have to be exceptionally honest and transparent. You know, um, luxury has to be authentic. It has to show integrity in all in all its initiatives from whether it's you know high profile collaborations to sustainability and 
Gen Z millennial consumers will will get behind a brand when it goes right, but they will absolutely come down on a brand, double down on a brand very, very quickly when it goes wrong and when it doesn't feel authentic. And we've seen that happen recently as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, yeah, I think for me, it's about being present and it's about uh, less about using Gen Z, you know, Gen Alpha as a as a marketing tactic and more about kind of investing kind of putting putting your money where your mouth is so again I feel like I feel like if you counted how many times Gucci had been mentioned on this podcast but again it it just you know it's Gucci um they introduced I think it was in 2017 now but they introduced like a millennial a shadow millennial committee where they had young people that came in and they met with you know senior teams at Gucci and became part of the process like part of the creative process so again, I think it's just about being present and being proactive um, and yeah, just kind of being tuned in, I think. And just this continuing of this kind of democratization of luxury and what that means, I think is really awesome and really, really exciting. Perfect. And then I'll end, if I may, on, on one of the hardest types of questions you can ask, really, which is, I mean, can you sum up in maybe one sentence, maybe a little bit more if you need it, sum up what, what does 2023 look like for fashion brands? What does the year ahead hold? What trends are you expecting to see? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wary that that's, that's way more than one sentence's worth of, of questioning. Um, but, but what are your thoughts for the year ahead? And I'll take abject silence as a, as a sign that maybe that is quite a, quite a tricky question. That's a, good, that's a good question. I think that's the quietest Sarah and I have ever been on a call on a call together so you 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 get points for that George I think sorry I think I'm both fascinated and horrified by the the kind of Y2K and the trends coming you know coming back around like the belt skirt and like the Ugg boots and I think that's really interesting it either shows my age or it just you know it shows that the, the the cycle of of fashion and people expressing themselves I think that's really interesting um and it's definitely you know I don't think it's a trend because again you know I'm not I'm not a fashionista as such but as a creative person I'm really interested in how fashion houses and luxury brands will continue to embrace people like Julia Fox who just have you know marmite you either think she's awesome or completely insane um so I'm interested to see on to see how that goes and yeah you know the you know Pharrell Williams joining as a new creative director different things like that I think I'm really interested in how you know pop pop cut sorry pop culture continues to inform fashion and you know the, the cycle of that and just the opportunities to be creative um all the different technologies, social commerce, all the different ways of building communities. I think it's, um, yeah, really fascinating and really, ex really exciting. Belt skirts aside, of course. Brilliant. And then Sarah, over to you. Keen to get your thoughts on the year ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a really tough one, but I think for me, if I had to summarise it in three words, it would be breaking down barriers. Um, and I think breaking down barriers covers many different aspects, you know, from breaking down barriers in materials, in um, the, you know, the operational processes, in marketing, in the people who work in luxury, um, to, you know, the way it's sold. Um, 
And luxury is really leading the way here. And I don't think we've seen any, you know, I don't think we've seen everything yet. So I'm really excited about what's to come. Perfect. Well, I think that that just about does us for for today. I mean, it's been fascinating to talk to you both on on what's been a a very, very large number of trends and ideas and themes. Um, And it's given us plenty of ideas, I'm sure, for future episodes. You know, we've only just touched on things like re-commerce, social commerce, and uh, and what's next for fashion brands with regards to younger consumers. So I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll have you both back on the podcast soon. And obviously a new list index on the way in a few months' time. Sarah, Sophie, it's been great to have you on the Good Growth Podcast and to get your views and uh, looking forward to speaking to you both again soon. Thank you, George. Thanks, George. Now, if you're a retailer or brand who has has resonated with the challenges and opportunities we've mentioned, why not get in touch to see how we can help? We are Good Growth, the e-commerce consultants who turn digital failure into commercial success. You can email us at inquiries at goodgrowth.co.uk or have a look at our website, which is goodgrowth.co.uk. Thanks for listening.